It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from Local12.com and of course, more famously with MusketeerReport.com. Fellas, um, kind of our, our next-to-last uh, bi-monthly podcast because starting in a couple of weeks, we'll be doing this a couple of times a week. But we got to, we got another, I guess, round of catching up to do before we really get into the meat of the season, which isn't too far away. And we'll start with you, Chad Brendel, and, and you see making pretty much the biggest news since we last did a podcast, and that's the fact that uh, – that they will be playing Ohio State to to reopen, for lack of a better term, the uh, the Fifth Third Arena, and it's something that I know that, that you had thought was was going to happen. It had not been finalized. We were even thinking about talking about it maybe on the last podcast. It hadn't been finalized, but but you kind of had an inkling it was coming. Yeah, I got wind of it probably about a month before it was announced that that they were working on it, and I honestly thought the guy was full of crap when he told me because it just we've been programmed to think that. Ohio State's not going to do it. It's, Lu- it's it's Lucy and Charlie Brown. It's yeah. uh, put the football down, and they say, "Yeah, we'll do it." Nah, nah, we won't. Yeah, we'll do it. Nah, nah, we're not going to do it. Right. And you got. I think you got to give a lot of credit to Chris Holtman. Apparently, he was the one that was behind it and said, "Playing Xavier in Cincinnati and the teams in the state are going to make us better." And they agreed to it, and it's a home and home, and they open reopen Fifth Third Arena next year, and then the following year, UC goes up and plays the first game of the season at Ohio State. We'll see how it works. It would be interesting if they continue it as a series, first game of the year, to, you know, there's well, two play. Well, let's get into that for a second. Not necessarily just that series, but do you think this is a positive sign for things changing down the road yeah. between Ohio State and the other in-state schools? Or at the end of the day, if this is, is this a goodwill gesture because you're reopening no. your arena and then after that the, the academics, higher-ups, are never going to help out the other schools in the state again? You know, surprisingly – the Ohio State people seem pretty happy about it, which I thought on their end you would see a lot of backlash. But I guess Thad was so bad at scheduling that their people are now kind of in support of beefing up their out-of-conference schedule. I didn't see much backlash on the Ohio State side. And that I wasn't really, really surprised expecting me. it from the fan base because I think the fans want to see these games, especially as they've seen what Ohio State and Xavier have accomplished over the last however many years i'm just i'm so pro regional rivalries i I wish more i wish we'd get back to some of that um i mean i I know anymore it doesn't sound like a lot of money to to hop on a plane and go play somewhere else but but from an economic standpoint too for everybody involved you hop a bus from an academic standpoint you hop a bus you go up you go shoot around you play the game you come back home you're 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 not missing much class time and and you're facing good opponents in in some of these regional rivalry settings I, i wish we'd get back to a little bit more of that not just UC, not just Xavier, um, you know, uh, Kentucky playing Indiana again. Um, I, I just I wish we'd get back to some of that. I, I agree, and I, I think this can lead, and, and we're not are we allowed to, to talk about the, the secret scrimmage? Well, it's yeah, secret. You know, I think it's, well, it's, all, well, it's, I think it's already out there. It's secret, it? but, well, but, yeah. but <laughs> word leaks out on it. So They're, Ohio State and Xavier are playing secret scrimmaging, which we'll, we'll obviously clearly never have any details on. Wait, right. wait, nudge, nudge. Musketeerreport.com. Um, but I think you're just seeing a change in philosophy from Chris Holtman. I think he believes that these rivalries are good things. He's got experience with Xavier, obviously being in the Big East. And I then just, they played a series with Cincinnati that went well. Right, um, right. So I, I just... Well, also, let's be clear. 
Xavier and Butler were going to play the preseason secret scrimmage, and then Holtman changed jobs, and Chris Mack says, that team is going to suck. Let's go. And, <laughs> and we know that information is going to get leaked, so we still got to play this game, just yeah. so you know. Yeah. Because I wanted out there that we whooped Ohio State's behind <laughs> early this season. Well, so let me play devil's advocate. You know that's how that had to go yeah. down. <laughs> the devil's advocate is what, what does Ohio State get out of this, out, out, of, out of doing games with in-state Teams. From what I've not heard from named him, Akron it, and Ohio, he, he and feels like Cleveland it makes State. the program better. He feels like stepping up in weight class as opposed to what Thad Mata did is good for the development of his program. Now, maybe that's the early as there is he's rebuilding. He wants to push them. We'll see how it right it goes once he gets his program back on track. But I don't think it's ever been as much about. That, though, about how good are the other teams or playing them, whether that's good for the sport at hand. I thought it's always been more about a an economic, attitude. Yeah, an economic standpoint of we're not going to, we're not help, going to help you get, out. Right, yeah, exactly. Right. These other athletic departments compete with us. But but Gene Smith could have easily put the squash on this, and he didn't. Right, and that's why it's interesting. It, it, it's so funny. I'll take this from the Kentucky-Louisville aspect of it, because for years Kentucky fought that and the government fought, that, had and fought to... that and fought that. You're right, and then... Um, the state government had to step in and say, you are going to play this game. And guess what? 30-plus years later, in, except for what's going on, it's been a great game. It's yeah. been great for the state. It's been great for basketball in general. And guess what? Don't think it hurt Kentucky. And, and obviously, Louisville's the one that, 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 that forced their hand to some degree on this. It's been good. It was, it was great for both. It was just great for basketball, especially in the state. Now, what I, I could see this resulting in eventually is something like the Crossroads Classic. Four team, yeah. I, I would like. I, I don't be mind that either. If they ever, I mean, every fan has talked about that. That's been a topic around here for twenty years or more. UC Xavier, Dayton, and, and Ohio State. Yeah, the only thing that would that, that would be a bit different about that is because UC and Xavier, I don't think would play each other in that. You just mix and match the others. We, but then Dayton would never play Ohio State. So for Dayton, good point. They're losing that. You know, like the, the Crossroads Classic, the the big one is Indiana, but it, but it gets you back to Dayton, Dayton Xavier, and it gets you back to Dayton UC. Yeah, I'm good with that. I, I, I know. I'm just saying I from Dayton's no, you're perspective, right. you're right. I mean, it's a good. Point. There's not as much there because they wouldn't get to play Ohio right. State. Now maybe they schedule a one off or something to make up for it. Right. But I, I think this makes that much more of a realistic possibility. More so than saying, I think Ohio State and Cincinnati are going to continue a series, right. you know, right. every year going forward. Okay, so we had this conversation. I'm actually more interested to get Skinny's opinion, like on what he thinks. You go first, though. How big of a ticket do you think this is? I think it's going to be the biggest ticket in Cincinnati in probably five to ten years because it's the reopening of the arena, because of everything that's going to surround it, because Ohio State hasn't come to Cincinnati to play basketball in 98 years. I think it's going to be... And you have a fan base here. Not as much, obviously, for basketball as football, but you have a fan fan base here, an alumni base here, too. Yeah. I I think, ticket-wise, one, I think there's a good chance because of this game that they they either sell out or come very close to selling out the season with season tickets. I don't know if I'd go that far. Ohio State, Xavier, UCLA are coming in. I, I think you find a way to package some of that very cleverly. But, yeah, but maybe. Yeah, maybe. I yeah, mean, they've maybe. almost sold out the but season no, I, at, at BB and T. I think the fact that 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 no matter who you would have put in there for that first game of the reopening, you would have had a big crowd, and you add this to it. I, I think it is a very, very big ticket. I, I think it's a very big deal. Um, would it be February Crosstown 
shoot out both teams top 15 maybe not but but a darn tough ticket to get nonetheless so that, that's the interesting part to me because my argument is like well it's not bigger than any crosstown shootout ticket simply from the standpoint of there's two fan bases in town for that game yes that'll correct. always be a bigger one game ticket but his point of if it increases season tickets to an unprecedented level, like if they did sell out, which I find it hard to believe they could. I do, I do but too. If but if that somehow did happen, then it is more or less, you would say, probably be about that game. I mean, like you said, there's three really good games that they're going to be having coming into that arena yeah. next and year. And again, the, the knock on the arena, the knock on the lack of attendance has been A, some non-conference scheduling, and B, the fact that sitting in that arena sucks. There's 4,000 terrible Cor- seats right, in that exactly. arena. I mean, it's a two-fold process. So now there's, you eliminate that part of it. Yeah, it was a 13,000-seat arena with 9,000 seats. Yeah, right. So, I, don't, I mean... It, 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 that's that argument from that standpoint, it does become interesting. Like, well, maybe, maybe it is one, you know, I mean, put it this way there is no bigger get that you could pull for any of these teams. Like, well, you can't name another team that's brought in somebody bigger recently, right? Well, I mean, you know, everybody wants to say Kentucky would be like the biggest get, they ain't coming. Well, right. I mean, well, no, I, right, let's, that's right. well let's argue that's like correct. actual things. Like Crystal Palace coming to FC is probably like the next biggest thing you could compare it to recent in recent history. Probably in yeah. terms of like big ticket, like probably yeah. everyone wanted to go type event, and that sold what Bengals Steelers playoff game. Yeah, but that barely sold out, if I recall right. Yeah, that went was, down it, to the wire. Yeah, it, 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 weather was a little bit of a factor, and, and obviously you never know the time until late in the game. But yeah, not, not an excuse. But yeah, yes. Yeah, but I yes. mean that's also sixty something thousand people Correct. as opposed to yeah. nine ten thousand. Correct. People, no, I, so. I, I think it is. I think it's a big big deal. I, I really. I'm, I'm at the end of the day. I think I'm with you on that. It, it will. It will. No doubt, it sells out. I think it sells out very quickly as well. On top of it, um, we got a bunch of people that ask questions off of off of Twitter, and I'm not getting to all of them. But one of them, obviously, it always lies with the recruiting. So let's start with UC on the on the recruiting front. Anything new as as we move forward? And, and look ahead they're evaluating um i don't at this point i don't expect anything else uh outside of logan johnson before um signing day um as we've talked about you know they're in an interesting spot because if you look at the, the you know next season they're already two deep at every position right. and three deep at point guard so um they're you know there's a, a wing out in california that they've got an interest in that uh his name's tavion jones um, that, you know, some information on him on BearcatJournal.com. Um, they're looking at, you know, some some junior college guys. But it's more they, they're really being picky right now, and they're, they, they have that luxury. I think what's more likely is you see them on the transfer market in April. Um, I could see maybe one more high school prospect. Right. And then I think with that 13th spot, probably a guy that sits out. But it, it does allow you to work ahead a little bit, too. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the good part, too. They've been doing quite a bit on 2019, yeah. going out and looking, you know, getting a, a look at kids. So um, they, they looked around at a couple of the guys that have, have decommitted because of the scandals that are um, hitting a couple other schools. One wasn't a good fit. Uh, the guys from Louisville, Louisville I just yeah. think those two guys are going to blow up, Courtney Ramey and and Anthony Simmons. Right. Um, I don't think there's much of a shot at, at getting too involved. I wouldn't be surprised to see both of those guys stay in state and, and go to schools in Florida. But, no, I mean, it's pretty quiet right now All right. How about on the UC d- side. How about for Xavier? Um, not quiet. It's not quiet. But, but uh, touch on that because, uh, obviously, it, it has not been a great summer, for lack of a better term, but where are things standing now? No, well, they landed a, a new commit yep. since the last time we talked, a 6'4 shooter. Um, three-star unranked kid 
but he he really can shoot the ball from the outside. That's obviously what stood out when I watched him. Um, he's also athletic; like he plays above the rim. I don't. He's a very different player because he's really thin. He'll have to put on weight, and he is not a defensive minded player. He's totally an offensive minded player. Although he's not a bad defender. But I think he brings some of the same skill set as Remy Abel brought to the table in terms of what he could do is shoot shoot threes off of set plays or in transition and also run the floor and get out and dunk or lay up in transition like Remy used to do a lot. So I could see him doing those two things on offense potentially um, if he's able to find his way onto the court. But it'll int- be interesting to see how they're able to develop him because obviously you know they have some big-time talents in their sort of guard spots right now in their wing spots. So he'll definitely have to uh, work his way into that rotation, but none of those other guys can shoot and he can. So he'll have an opportunity to do so. (laughs) There's always a room, man, for one of those. Well, I mean, you're losing JP and Trayvon. So shooting is going to be at a premium. I mean, Najee Marshall, it sounds like he's, he's shooting it better, but from what we saw of him on the AAU circuit, he's a slasher. He's a slasher. He's, Mm -hmm. he's a guy that's, you know, if you can get him at 33, 34%, you're probably happy with that. Right. At least early in his career. No question. And then, and then, and then Paul Scruggs, Scruggs is and not Quentin much Gooden, of a shooter either. Quentin and, and Gooden's not. So, you know, we, we talked about Elias Harden hoping he would be in that role. And I think down the road he will be. Um, yeah. But. But he was never like, known as a knockdown no, shooter either. He was, but he was, a, he was a good shooter. He mm-hmm. was never a guy. He had a, he had a nice stroke. Um, it, it didn't. You never looked at him and thought. We're going to have to do a lot of work to get on this kid's jump shot. Yeah, um, but uh, you know they they need wings. They need guys that are going to be able to step in. And I think you know you go down into Texas, which they don't do that very often. No, not at all. Um, you know, I think it's a it's with the way things have gone. Sometimes you just got to get a solid. You got to hit a single. Yeah, and and if he turns out to be that, then it was a great great game. Right. But. They need more in this class, obviously. Absolutely. They have up to six spots open if they want to use yeah, them. That's a, that's a chunk. And uh, here's the interesting thing. This rule has never come into play that I can remember since I've been covering Xavier. But teams actually do get a limited amount of official visits that they're allowed to bring kids in on. And what it is, it's a rolling rule. It's a rolling deal where for, you can never have more than 24 visits over a two-year period. And you can't have more than 12 before signing day in November. So Xavier's brought in a ton of kids because they had such a big class this summer. They're that you're running out. They're at the point, yeah, where right. they're running out of visits. They're also running out of prospects that these kids have just committed to other places. So, I mean, right now it's really Sadiq Bay, who's a four-star wing, and uh, Talon Horton Tucker, who I think is a four-star or a three-star wing, um, but right outside the top 100. Two guys that it's kind of down to, and um, I don't think you could say that Xavier's going to land either one but at the same time like they're right so, there in right, the top so, two schools so, so do they swing swing with other guys and hope you hit or do you hope for the transfer market i mean what do you hope for then well, they're gonna have to have guys that can i mean roster wise what would the number be at next year like nine eight or nine right now yeah maybe maybe even less than that um but i think they've got like six bodies returning not counting incoming freshmen so they'd probably be at 8 i think with the two commits they have and obviously you're not expecting Jake Walter to to play right, right, away. right, right away. away right you wouldn't think um so yeah i think they they i would expect them to definitely land another high school player i'd expect that to be before signing day whether it's one of these two kids or they end up having to reach on a kid who isn't on everyone's radar yet i think there's probably a couple kids that they 
that haven't really been talked about. And I'm sure if you're Xavier right now, you're being super quiet about <laughs> any name that you're interested in because everyone keeps committing elsewhere right. and big schools keep coming in and offering the kids you're interested in. So my guess is there's a few other kids that we don't know about that they're in there on already. But it'll be interesting to see what happens if they can land another kid before signing Nate because they need to. And then they will hit the transfer market yeah, you, in the spring. You, you've touched on this a little bit, but but, but why is it that, that a team and a program coming off this level of success is having this hard of a time? Um, I think it's it's uh, a few different reasons. The biggest being that this is a really bad class in 2018. Xavier had a lot of scholarships to fill in the class. And also you had this situation in the Midwest where – Xavier has had a lot going for it coming into this year. Chris Mack turned down some big time right, job offers. Right. They made an Elite Eight run. But all but bigger than any bump you could have from that type of thing is getting a new head coach. No matter what, the coach doesn't have to have done anything. Getting a new head coach at a big time school It's a fresh start. Is it's a fresh always face, a huge fresh recruiting voice, right, bump. Right. And so you had Illinois, Ohio State, Indiana, all these schools, new head coaches, big recruiting bump, and the top kids aren't that good, so they're recruiting these same kids that Xavier is kind of in this back end of the, the top 100 where it's kind of Xavier's sweet spot for recruiting, and all of a sudden you don't get any of them. I have a question. Yep. Do you think it's an issue having so many scholarships open every year like they seem to? Cause it's, well, see, I mean, that's not true like... because just two years ago they only had Kaiser Gates. They only had one open. So Okay, but it feels like in most years they've got four, five, six – well, what what happens is Chris Mack but always likes to... But they're rarely filling 13, That's though, the thing. Either. Chris yeah. Mack always likes to keep two open at the end of the bench. He only has 11 guys on scholarship. So if you have two or three guys graduate, which is a reasonable class, then all of a sudden you've got four or five scholarships if you want to use them. Don't get me wrong. When I say they've got six to use, they're not going to fill all six. They're probably going to fill three or four of them. But if they wanted to, they could have signed six in this class. So that's what we mean when we're saying they've got six scholarships to give in this class, not that they want to use all six. So my guess is they signed one more high school kid, and then they hit the transfer market for whatever they can get in the spring. And you would think they'd be an attractive option if they have the type of season most right. expect them to have. Right. Uh, talk about uh, a couple other things off of Twitter. A guy asked about J.P. McCura's offseason. Have you gotten a chance to see them much and, and hear much about what, what he's doing, what they're doing, and uh, how things are going? Well, I think specifically that guy mentioned how jacked J.P. Yeah. is, too, and that's yeah, that's his offseason right there. He is, he is huge. Um, and as you can imagine, for a guy who has the temperament of J.P. on the court, <laughs> that's not necessarily doing anything to tone him down. Um, but he, it's, he, it's empowering him even more. Yeah, I think he also knows he can actually like scrap a little bit yeah. because he's big enough to now. Um, but no, he's he and Trayvon have been everything you'd expect those two seniors to be at this point and more in practice. They've been really focused and really that, aggressive and, and mean to each other. Now, does that affect honest. him in a, in a good way, though, or, or will it affect him? There, there's a fine line in weight training for, for guys, obviously, and a fine line for that. And how it affects your game? Sure. Um, is is this a possible negative? Even though it sounds like a positive, I think two things. One, they're so good at this point, and, and Matt Jennings is so good at what he does that they're not just training uh, to get bulked up right, and be right, big, muscular, right, right. you know, roid heads at this point like they used to do in the '90s. They're training for basketball, so I don't think they're losing flexibility or anything like that. Um, his shot looks great, so it's not really a concern there. I don't think it'll be a problem at all. I think it'll help him. Uh, but the real, I think the biggest interesting thing to me is just that those, you know, those two guys who are who have been around for so long. You wonder, do you come into the first couple weeks of practice and you've got freshmen who are way behind the eight ball and they're trying to learn things, so practices are slower than you'd like them to be? Do you kind of take a disinterested approach and you're waiting for things to ramp up, or 
are you out there to Hit shatter the ground egos? Right. And that's what they've been doing. They've just been demoralizing their teammates on the court. All right, there we go. All right, uh, we'll get to the NKU here in a second because the Horizon League did have its uh, its media poll and, and actually media sports information director um, coaches poll that, that was out. Yes, Mr. Brendel. Uh, are we going to do Kentucky at all? We can. You want to do them right now? I just got a little. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna do them on the back end of this. But we can do them right now. It's a good, it's a good, I got good, a little good bit. All right, what do you got? One, did you guys watch their their pro day, their, their combate? I did I not. I was not. I was. Uh, I watched about. That was Sunday night, correct? Yeah, I watched about thirty minutes. Most of it was five on zero stuff. Okay, they can't shoot. Well, I if you can't most shoot people five that coming in, if you can't shoot in five on zero, then woo boy, they can't shoot. I mean, there was a lot of misses in five on zero, and it was just. Moving the ball, moving the ball, kick to the perimeter. Jump shot. Jump shot, clank, 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 clank. Well, and you know, in, in a high-level D1 practice, even dudes who can't shoot, like there make those shots. There aren't Correct. a lot of shots missed no, in, I, in I, rhythm I, five I, on those I, shots. I know people don't watch this. Go watch just a, a pregame warm-up sometime. Yeah. Before, and just watch. Just count them. You can count the misses sometimes in a five-minute period on both hands. Yeah. I, that's how good these guys are at making open shots. And in a 5-on-0, those are all open shots. I, I had a chance to talk to an NBA scout Wednesday who was or, – or Tuesday who was there for the pro day. And he said, straight up, they're not nearly as talented as previous Coach Cal teams. And I think that starts with guard play because they don't have – Quad A Green – is a nice player. I like him. I, I think he got a lot of hype in AAU because he played on a team that was just loaded, absolutely absurd. So he was getting 12, 13 assists a game. But it was just from dishing off to right. Nothing. this five-star guy, yeah. that five-star right. guy. And then finish. Lobbed him, Obamba. Well, and here's the thing. If you don't have people that can space the floor and hit shots, it, it ain't easy to get 13. Correct. Right. That's, and that's a big difference. That would be a big difference if people don't have Brandon, to guard out. Brandon, Brandon Randolph, Randolph ain't was, on that wing anymore. That was a bad dude. Yeah. Like... I, I and Quade Green is not a scorer. No, I mean he's a decent shooter, but that's not going to be his role at the. He's, at this level. Yeah, he's not a guy. You're. He's not going to get you 15 on any given night. Like that's not who he is as a player. They're not very dynamic at guard. They've got 36 power forwards on the roster. I I'm not sure about. Kentucky. But I, I will say one of the things Cal's always done well with is teams that can guard. He gets them to guard right away, and they usually he usually finds a way with those teams to get He's through the rough grind. points. And then by the end of the year, they're playing enough but, offense. But but in his, do you think that's a possibility? May but well, they're going to be long and athletic. I but, mean, they're insanely they're good long. Yeah, I think no matter in, in what. his era, other than the Harrison twins, when did you look and go? They don't have guards, not a guard, but guards plural. Right. I mean, Shy Alexander. There's a lot of hype around. Um, I think he's he's solid. I like his game, but I don't think he's like a dynamic game changing type guy. Um, I mean, even even in a down year where it was the where it was the uh, the Jamal Murray and um, and Jamal Ty Murray Lewis. was a bad no, dude. No, no, even in a down year for them, it was the two guards that carried that the team that year. Yeah. Ty Ulysses and, and Jamal Murray. I mean, they, they, it's always been guards, right? He, I just I don't see him having that this year. So they're going to be fascinating. I I agree with Rick that I think they're going to be incredible defensively because if you look at their combat, like their their measurements, their <laughs> measurements, their wingspan and vertical inch, their vertical leap, like. He's got a team of a bunch of dudes that are, are long and athletic and, and can really defend you. There's going to be some 51-49 Cincinnati Bearcat games that they're going to have to struggle through to win this year. So that they're going to be really, really interesting to me. I, I just 
I, I have questioned how that roster looked since he started building that recruiting class because a lot of it didn't make any sense to me. Like, why wasn't he all in on a guy like Colin Sexton, who is at Alabama, who I think is going to be one of the most dynamic playmakers in the country? Um, I aren't aren't there uh, rumors out there? Yeah, there's some rumors on him. Cal's clean, buddy. Maybe that's why. Cal's clean. Maybe that's why. But um, he doesn't deal in those shady circles. That's the thing. That could be. Yeah. You could be right. Never but has. There were some other guys in this class that that you kind of scratched your head and thought, why, you know, why weren't they more heavily involved? Um, just because the, the it kept. Here's a power forward, PJ Washington. Here's a power forward, Kevin Knox. Here's a power forward, Jared Vanderbilt. Like, so you're saying Thomas Moore has a chance. Yeah, they. Sh- I, I actually, I've, I've got Thomas Moore by six. When you're getting fifty one and a half, yeah. <laughs> you think the spread's only gonna be fifty one and a half? I'd, and a half. And I'd a take half. Kentucky. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. I don't think it will. There's no spreads on. Uh, no. On, but what on should it be? Accurately, fifty one and a half. Fifty one and a half. That's too small. Seventy six. That's right where I'd be. Yeah, seventy six and a half. Well, we seventy six and a half, and I think I'd go under. I'll tell you what. This you, you, if you want to set it right now for for, for maybe a little luncheon, I, I, I'll I'll make a play with you. At what seventy six and a half? Is that what you want? Is that is that what you're setting the line at? Yeah, he's I'll, taking I, Thomas Moore. I, I was gonna say I'll take Thomas Moore in seventy six and a half. Yeah, like I think I think it's uh, Kentucky uh, fails to cover. Oh, you think they failed to cover? Okay, yeah. So he's taking. No, I was gonna say he's I'll, taking I, Thomas Moore plus the seventy six. Well, I was gonna say I'll set I'll set a realistic line. I'll go fifty eight okay. and a half. Oh, I like Kentucky. Okay, there you go. See, I, all right. I suckered him in on that. That's all I needed to do. All right, I'm in. All right, very good for, for a nice do, lunch. Do they win yep. the SEC? That's the other question. I, I, there's just the league just doesn't do much for me. It really doesn't. It's, I think it's better. It's better. Florida is going to be really good. Yeah, I mean, it's probably them or Florida, right? Uh, Texas A&M, I think, is supposed to be solid again. Um, Auburn's probably going to be a bit of a mess. It's going to be a lot of a mess. Probably going to be a bit of a mess. Alabama should be better. Alabama with with Colin Sexton and John Petty. Um, I don't know how much consistency. I think I could see that being a team that's a little, you know, experiences a couple losses that you don't expect um, because of the two freshman guards. I think it's them or Florida. I think right now, if I had to pick, I think I'd take Florida. That's probably fair. In fact, I think they have their, their media day next week, so it'll be interesting to see yeah. see what they pick. Speaking of which, we'll touch on NKU. Mike White's I, a really good coach. He is. He's done a, done a nice job. Um, the media days for both the AAC and for uh, for the Big East are next week as well. I'm not going to ask you to go completely in-depth here, but I'm going to give you about first, Chad. Where would you put UC, and, and who would you pick to win the league if you had a, if you had the vote today in front of you? I think it's going to be really close. I'm going to pick UC first. Slightly, just slightly, slightly ahead of Wichita State. I think they're about as even as possible, especially Larry Shamit, their star point guard, out with a foot injury um, until he should be back right at the start of the season, but it's a point guard with a foot right, injury. Sure. And then Marcus McDuffie, their second best player, another foot injury, and he's out into December. So I worry about them just a little bit um, on that front. Being one hundred percent, but that's before you get it. Well, that's well before, before you get, you in get a conference, into conference play. play. Yeah. Um, but I mean, those foot injuries linger, mm-hmm. and, and you know, it, for them, I'm a bit concerned about that. But I, I just think UC's average age is like twenty four. Like <laughs> this is an old team; it's a veteran team. I think they came so close last year. 
Um, I think they want to show Wichita State, you know, you're the new kid. Yeah, we're the we're we're the established big dogs in town. Um, I love the two week stretch in December to get them ready for conference play, where you go at Xavier, Florida neutral, Mississippi State at home at UCLA. Um, I think that gets you ready for the grind that is conference play. Uh, I I could even see them tying, honestly, and however the tiebreaker goes. Uh, but but I'm going to take Cincinnati slightly ahead of Wichita State as first in the league. Scott on Twitter asked uh, Mick Cronin's prediction of four AAC teams making the tournament. Do you buy it, and, and who are the four? For this league, it comes down to one thing, and it's come down to one thing every time. What do you do in the out-of-conference? And last year, the outside of SMU and Cincinnati, the, everyone nothing. was terrible. Absolutely. So I think – Four, I feel pretty confident in. UCF being one of the four. UCF being one. I, I've got UCF third in this conference. Yeah. Um, I think SMU is going to be really good. That, that'd be five if you go off of mixed picks because he, he went SMU Temple. and UConn. Right. He went UConn? Yeah. Yeah, how do you like them apples? Poopy, Those are your boys. Poopy Pants is still coaching them, right? <laughs> he is. Guy looks like he's always got a dump in his pants. <laughs> Just hate the man. Just hate the man. I just don't think he's a good coach. Like I, what? Outside of Shabazz Napier saying, get on my back, what makes you think he's a good coach? Got a ring. Got a ring. That's all I know. Got a ring. Yeah. Thank you, Shabazz. Got a ring. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> got a ring. What has he done since then? He's got a ring. I, I can't do anything other than that. That's all you got. That's all I got. So you have nothing. That's all I got. I um, mean, I don't know if a championship is nothing. I feel I'm like it's you. more than nothing. It's got more than nothing. It is more than nothing. Got a ring, man. Yeah. That, that's that's proof in the pudding. He's, All right, so he's resting on that. So I, hard I go line, UCF. You think four are four are guaranteed, and you think I don't? Right? I I can't say guaranteed. I'm with you. I, I think UCF UCF on paper is clearly the third best team. Well, and you want to you want to hear something crazy? Something really crazy? I think they've got the best player in the conference. Well, I think BJ Taylor, their point guard, is the best player in the American Conference this year. I is that that crazy? I don't know. Oh, okay, I, maybe. All right. I don't think he's going to be the AAC preseason player of the year. year. Right, right. I saw one preseason thing yesterday that had him third team point guard. Wow. I went, what? Uh, no. Well, it depends on who's doing the picking sometimes. As you well, know. I think they were going strictly by position, and they had Shamit on the first team and then Jalen Adams from UConn on the second team and then him on the third team. I don't agree with any of that. I think he's the best player in the conference. And then you've got Taco Fall. So- who makes them seven defensively foot, seven elite? Foot seventeen, yeah, yeah. He's seven foot seventeen. So you do you you I do by the four. four, but but a different four than what Mick thinks. Uh, I I slide UConn out and I slide Central Florida in, and I think UConn will be close. Um, and I think who am I missing? Temple will be on the on the fringe, and once again. Uh, peace will be restored to the land as Fran Dumphy wins the Fran Dumphy uh, Coach Memorial Coach of the Year. Co- Coach him up award. The AAC Coach of the Year will once again go to Fran Duffy and all will be right in the world. There you go. I think the first half of his comments were correct. In fact, I'm more bullish on UC winning this conference. I, I'm not as high on Wichita State as everyone else is, and I think this UC team is really good. I think UC wins the American. I don't see this conference getting four teams in, in the tournament. I, I can see I, I can see it, but you're right. The one thing you're going to have to do is I you, think you they're much, you know what, you know much what more likely to get two than they are four. That's probably fair. 
the one thing you're going to need is you're going to use UC to UC to do really well non-league and somebody in the league like beat UCF UC. beat UC. That's yes. the thing. Yeah, UC is going to have to lose games, and then Wichita State was probably going to have to lose games in conference for four teams to get in. I just don't see either one of them losing a whole lot of games. And, in and honestly, and I, I should have done my duty. And I think I, you're right. I, there. I, I don't have UCF's non-league schedule in front of me. I can't imagine it's great, great. But they would have to do something special in the non-league, in my opinion. I, I, but I, I'm with you. I think they are really, really good, though. You're going to look it up while we talk, which is good. I appreciate that. All right, while you look that up, we'll get back to that. I'm going to give you the Big East ballot, Rick. Who who would you pick to win the league right now, and where would you put Xavier? Uh, maybe Villanova. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and I think... Going out on a limb. Yeah. <laughs> I think Xavier's too, personally. But that being said, two through four or five in this conference... Ain't going to be much separation yeah, between we saw, any we, of them. We saw that. Yeah, it's it's a typical year in the Big East, except I think it's this year the top is a little better than it's been. All right, you ready? Yeah, I am. Then we'll go back to Big East. Mercer, Gardner-Webb, William & Mary. Um, Advocare Invitational. Not sure who all is in that, but they start with Nebraska. So far, I'm not, I'm not wild. Keep going. Missouri, Alabama, Southern, South, Southeastern Louisiana, Stetson, South Carolina State. They ain't making the tournament, dog. They, <laughs> like, well, they're, they're not making the they, tournament. They can lose one of those games. <laughs> I mean, well, Missouri's going to be a lot better. Missouri's going to be better because Michael, Michael Porter. Porter. Yeah. Nebraska, not not. You sold. can lose one. Now I don't know. There could be somebody else in the Advocare. There could be. You, you better not lose more than one of those games. And then you, have a really if good, UCF is the reason the American is a lock to get three or four teams in. I didn't say lock. I, I said, know, but I'm saying like if that's the theory, if it's like everyone's relying on UCF, which Mick wasn't to his credit. He was saying no, no, SMU, right. Right. which I think is more likely. If you're relying on UCF, I don't. I am not. No, lying. he said UConn. He said SMU was U- the third, third team. And UConn. He and then UConn UCF. was like his wild UCF, card. Yeah. He didn't have okay. UCF included. Right. Correct. Which right. I, I agree with Mick more yeah. than uh, U2 Yahoo's. Here we go. I, he's, he's looking. Looking at the um, Avocare. If they, they if they beat Nebraska, they'll probably play West Virginia. Okay. And probably lose. And then the top half is St. John's. Not good. No. I, that that would come down to, to West Virginia. To West Virginia. Yeah. yeah. All right. There you go. All right. So, so how many does the Big East get in or have a potential to get in? I think they probably get in guaranteed six and right. possibly seven. Who would be your Who would be your six guaranteed or seven? six? That's, I mean, that's bold. Based on what we've seen recently, right? No, no. I'm with not, the, what the tournament committee's do, the way the tournament committee's gone, the, the conference is going to be stronger this year, um, and there's going to be more opportunity for bigger wins this year than there was last year. So, um, I mean, I, I think it's the usual suspects, right. though. I don't think a lot's changing in terms of the. You don't the feel pat- you don't feel DePaul and St. John's are pulling themselves up by the bootstraps. I've said every year that DePaul is back. I don't think DePaul is back this year. <laughs> I got to be honest. It uh, breaks your heart, doesn't it? No, it really doesn't. Tommy <laughs> Hamilton's going to be suiting up for a new team this year. I, I don't. I don't think uh, you're out. You're yeah, out on. DePaul. I don't. I have no love lost you, for the Blue Demons. Are you? Are you going to burn your jersey or? No. I'm, I'll always have my yeah, DePaul have 69 yeah, jersey. Yeah, absolutely. got to have that. Yeah. Have it. Uh, sorry, let's talk about NKU and the did, Horizon did League. Did you get season tickets at the new arena? Is that open next year? No, I did not. It's going to be a tough one to get to every, every, for every home game. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you'll make any of those. Uh, let's talk about NKU and the Horizon League. They were picked second um, behind Oakland with, uh, with Drew McDonald uh, of NKU being selected as preseason player of the year. Good for him. Um, I would have never believed that three years ago that by his junior year he'd be picked to, to be the player of the year in that conference. But it shows what 
how he's transformed his body, um, just what he's done for that team. Was it fair NKU being picked second, or did you think maybe they'd get picked first when all was said and done? If this NKU team is so good and what they did last year, it feels right to be pissed off that they're not first. Right. But I here's the thing. I know the guys on that Oakland roster. Like, we've been watching most of those dudes since high school. Like, Xavier was recruiting three of these dudes. They're good. No, They're the, really the, talented. The, the way that the, the league tournament fell apart last year, it was theirs to win. And they lost in the first round, Correct. which I don't know Correct. how that happened. But they're also better this year than they were last year. Um, they didn't lose much. So I think it's reasonable to expect that Oakland team to be the best team in this conference. But NKU's right there. Um, and after that, like UIC being third – that's asking a, a bottom dweller of this conference for a long time to, to make jump a huge way up, jump. To jump now, way up. they have two the of the best players in the Correct. conference by, without question because Ty Odiasi became one of the best players in the conference as not only a monster rim protector and rebounder in the post, but he also rounded out his scoring skill set to take over yeah, for... Yeah, because he was just simply a shot blocker for a long time, and that's all right, he was. Right, and well, as a freshman. And then yeah. Dikembe Dixon, who was the freshman of the, the year... It, Two years ago, he was out all of last year, except for the first few games with a knee injury. So he's back. You add those two guys in, they're going to be talented, but I think there's a significant drop-off between Oakland, NKU, and then three through six or seven right. here. But, but you made a point in, in looking at the, at the all-league team that there are some dudes in this conference, and that's what's made it fun. It, is whenever it, I guess it's now when a team comes in to BB&T Arena to play them, you may not know the guy in theory, but, but you can probably – be told who that person is and realize, wow, that, that, that's a really good guy. Well, here's the thing. Drew McDonald is the one guy on this team who looks like what you'd expect the Horizon Leafs first team Ab- to look right. like. Absolutely. But he could be the conference player of the year. Right. In fact, he's picked to be the preseason right. conference player of the year. So I happen to think LeVon Holland would be my pick ahead of him, to be quite frank, but I'm, I'm glad and for him. And he's on the second team. I know, I know. He didn't even make the first team, and I think it's correct. That's the crazy thing. Um, Jalen Hayes... And Martez Walker, both from Oakland, are just ridiculous, big-time athletes. I mean, both of those guys can really play. Then you've got Dikembe Dixon, like we just talked about. And then Cameron Morris, who led the entire conference in scoring last year at over 23 points a game. It's ridiculous. I mean, you've got a guy like Kendrick Nunn is on the second team. Uh, Ty Odiasi is on the second team. LaVon Holland is on the second team. All of those guys are like high-major-type talents. Would you take the second team over the first team? I don't think I would. Except for the guards are so much better on. Like, I know, you got so many ball. You got so many ball handlers on the second team. I think I'd take the second team. It's really in good. a head-to-head game yeah. because you still have Ty Odiasi inside. Yeah, to go you got with your rim guys. protector. Yeah, I don't know. I just talked you into it, didn't I? You that, might but have. No, that, I, I think they're, they're, that shows the. But that's the yeah, that right. shows. Right. It's going to be a fun conference to watch. So if you're interested in some extra basketball to watch this year, lock in. We'll be talking about it. That's talking Horizon basketball. I like it. I like all, it. Let's let's do AAC and Big East. All first team, all Big East. Oh, I'm not ready for that. Okay, we, can we do that next? We'll show? We'll do that on the next yeah. one. Okay, yeah, come, come with your home. Well, I just they're gonna they're gonna come out. I know, this and, we, week, and then so. we can react. Then we can react to it. Yeah, can we can we just do our own? Like, I'm I'm I'll, I'm not in the right state of mind. Right. I did it last night on the. the well, give us the give us. No, go, give yeah, us go ahead. If, you, if you've done it, go uh, for it. We, I went BJ Taylor. Yep. I went uh, Shake You're Milton. Are you picking five? Is it five? Five. Yeah. Shake Milton. Jacob Evans. Larry Shamit and Gary Clark to two UCs, two UCs, and I I, would I don't know. If, I don't think about Gary. I don't. I don't know if he'll do enough statistically. The thing about Gary is the coaches in this. Oh, league I know, no, no, I know. Absolutely, but you know what I'm saying. I just, yeah. you look at the statistics of it, and it just doesn't doesn't if, quite jibe. If he plays like I saw him play Saturday, I, 
I think you're you're going to see one. He had ankle surgery. Yeah, and you talked about that the last that, that couple. Yeah, has his mobility back. Right. He's dropped a little bit of weight. He's a lot more explosive, and I think he's going to play a little bit more aggressive this year than he has in years past. Um, I, I and you're basing yours not on, on on what other people would do, which is looking back at last year and kind of. Yeah, I think you're looking at where it would be long term when the season was over. Yeah, and I'm trying to predict. Yeah. what the postseason. Yeah, yeah. And you can make a case for Rob, Rob Gray in there. You can make a case for Jalen Adams in there. Um, you know, there's some some quality talent across the the top half of this league. Altariq Gilbert, who's a freshman uh, that was hurt last year for UConn, um, and and I, I made a bold prediction. I did the screen the screener podcast the other day, which is a pretty good one. I, I was impressed with the host. I like the name. <laughs> I love that's a great one. It is good. I know. I it's like a good that. name. I do. I love that one. And uh, I, I made a bold prediction on there. I predicted the leading scorer for this Bearcat team in 2017-18 will be Jaron Cumberland. That's a, that, I like that prediction. I mean, he's certainly not going to be shy getting shots up. And with him running the filling the lane on breaks, that, that's worth eight points a game right there. Yeah. It really is. Before yeah. you even get to anything else, that's eight points a game right there. You could probably average like 13 points a game and lead this team though because they're going to be so balanced well last year Jacob Evans was 13 and a half right. points a game and led the team in scoring right and I, there'll be I just think as as balanced or more this year I mean right. probably more I with, think more shot, with more shot with more shot yeah uh, maybe we'll I see yeah, I, I think Cumberland is going to get to the line more than anybody else and that gives him a base of five or six points a game that I think over a full 30-game season. Adds up. Adds up yeah. and gives yeah. him the edge to yeah. be the leading scorer. Yeah, no, I think it makes sense because, again, like, I mean, it's not like he has to take over a guy who's coming in averaging 18 a game. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he, he is going to have to average probably 13 a game, and that seems like something he could reasonably do. Leading right. scorer for Xavier? I know it's going to be a tough one. Hmm. <laughs> uh, well, what? Leading Leighton shot. Shrand. No, late leading shot taker. Ooh. I still think it's Trayvon. All right, all right. I thought throw you a curveball. But Yolo JP shows up. One Jonathan Paul Makira is going that, to be right. That's there. why. That's why I want to throw a little curveball. I'll be honest. If he plays to the best of his ability, though, it's probably more like he played in the NCAA tournament where he was creating and yes. even passing yeah. better. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, if he does that, then which I, I think most people are hoping for, then he maybe shoots even a little less. So I, I hope that's the case. I just I, the, the whole senior. It's time to get mine. I just hope it doesn't show up. Oh yeah, I mean, I All guess I guess that is a reasonable fear with that kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yolo JP shows up. Watch yeah, out. Exactly. All right, uh, I'll give you guys a chance for final takes, but I did want to touch on the, on the formation of the commission on college basketball. Yawn. What was it? What is this going to serve? What is this going Nothing. to solve? And, and, and is this simple window dressing, or does Mark Emmert really think that they're going to solve something with this? I don't think they think they're going to solve anything. I think it's window dressing, window dressing on a pig. I, I, it doesn't do it. Like, what's Condoleezza Rice know about? No, absolutely right. And, and most of the people that were put on this, what do they know about current modern day? There's, there's two guys that have coached in college basketball that are there: John Thompson the third and, and Mike Montgomery. Yeah, Mike Montgomery. Yeah, and JT three knows. I feel like he would know a little bit about the some shape, uh, shoe companies yeah. and well, slinging I mean, money back into a program. Georgetown and, and Nike have been bedfellows for quite some time, back to JT2. So he might know some things that, that he could help with. But, I mean, you're, you're putting David Robinson and, and Grant Hill on there. 
But in all fairness, you put the admiral in charge of anything, and it does exactly what it's designed to do. It's good Give PR. You PR. I'm like, I'm like it's you know what? what? The admiral will get that straightened out. Like, absolutely he will. I mean, do, do they come up with any solutions through this that, no. that, that, that would make sense or that would... No, they don't want to. Like, he, here's... Let's say one of the solutions, like the, the NCAA becomes an oversight on AAU basketball. You know how much money no, that not, costs? They're not, they're not, that's not going to happen. You know how much money? Yeah, that, that, that's a that, billion yeah, that, dollars. That, that's not going to happen. To do that. That's never going to happen. Like that, that would help fix it, right? If, you, if the NCAA Correct. had some control over AAU basketball... That's not going to happen. Right. Could could they do something though that benefits the player, such as the, the the theory of letting them have some level of representation, or does that make it even more muddied and worse? See, that's the whole point of this. The whole point of this is, yeah, we still care, but in reality, like this this drove me nuts the past two days listening to college basketball writers whine about this because, like, grow up. What have you been watching? What did you honestly expect to happen? Mark Emmer and the NCAA is exactly like Roger Goodell running the NFL. He's designed to be the punching bag. That's why you disagree with everything he does, because he's supposed to be there to protect these universities from profiting off these kids. That's the whole game. That's the gimmick right there. They don't want to fix any of this. They want you to hate Mark Emmer. They want you to hate the NCAA. And oh yeah, he'll throw in a gratuitous punishment that doesn't make sense to a, a veteran once in a while, so you can get all mad and write stories about that too, and it'll increase publicity and keep you mad at the NCAA and keep the focus there instead of worrying about what the universities are doing that's the gig and for all of these basketball writers this echo chamber we have right now with national uh columnists of just repeating each other going oh this is a travesty they none of these guys are going to know how to how to clean up the, the shoe companies and all of them are like because all of them know right all of them know exactly how it's done if you just put them in charge they would have fixed it all and they all could have reported and told you exactly what was going on like the fbi did but they just didn't have subpoena power so they weren't able to do it get out of here with that like quit talking about how much you know but providing nothing no original thoughts and whining about all this like you have some fantasy that the ncaa is ever going to be fixed or that it even wants to be fixed no, if it wants to be fixed, the university presidents would get together as a group and they'd be the ones to fix it. They'd they be have the no one. interest in that. And they have no interest in that whatsoever. Absolutely right. And that's where, why it's, it's never going to, to, to be done, for goodness sakes. But Correct. if you really thought they were, like, what did you really think they were going to do with this committee? Who did you think they were going to hire? Agreed. I'm not disagreeing One of the people who were in the rooms dealing money so they could show them what was really going on? You think they were really going to hire FBI guys to look into what they've been doing? Get out of here. Hell no. They're not turning anything over there. Hell Get no. Get out of here. Grow up. I like it. I like it. Any final take from you, Chad Brendel? Um, keep an eye on Kansas. I don't know if you saw last Tornado night. Tornado coming or something? <laughs> I don't know if you saw last night, Skinny, the uh, the Kansan or whatever the big newspaper in Kansas is filed a uh, Freedom of Information, Information Act request with the FBI on all things pertaining to Kansas basketball. And the FBI let them know that those documents are sealed. That's not good. That's not good. Well, here's the thing. The people that do know some of what is going on in this, when they heard the name Jim Gatto, the first thought on everybody's mind was... Kansas in trouble. Kansas in right. trouble. Because that's Kansas's dude at Adidas. Well, like, here's the thing, and I'm not, I'm not insinuating that anything happened here or anyone got money in this deal, but I think you were in the same scrum as I was in Chicago a few years ago when Carlton Bragg, who yeah. was a top recruit at the time in the state of I'm Ohio, going to Adidas. when someone asked him if Louisville or UCLA? 
I can't remember. I think it was Louisville. Louisville, Louisville was still involved, and he looks and says, "They're in Adidas school, my man. Of course, they're involved." <laughs> that's a, that's it's an honest answer. It was it was amazing. Like everyone just lost their mind laughing at that. So uh, that's that's potentially the next place to keep an eye on, and I think it was one that as soon as this hit, the people that have been around AAU and been around the 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 that side of the sport all immediately looked at the names. And the first name we all said was Kansas. Yeah, it was, wasn't included initially. Right. Yeah. Well, I think we said that before we found out who right. was included initially. Right. And then when they weren't there, I think everybody was kind of like, huh? Y'all might want to look at that report again. <laughs> Y'all got some extra evidence in the back that you forgot Y'all, to bring out? You missed Kansas. <laughs> oh, no, you just have a whole lot more evidence you're still going through. We got you. Okay. Okay. That makes well, sense. And if, it, it, and if it, they it, go, like, they're bigger than Louisville in this Grand scheme of things, that's Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Like they've won the Big Twelve eighty-seven years in a row. That's that's a that's a that, that's blue blood. They'll have to sell the rules of basketball back just to make some some money and get they some would money to program. Uh, they created basketball they Kansas. Create I basketball. forgot, and they did buy. They spent millions of dollars to to reget the, uh, the the original rules of basketball. Boy, what, what? And their football program is so bad. Can you Ooh. imagine if both the same? Wow. I mean, usually at least you got one feed not one's doing well, one's not at a lot of schools. Their football program is horrific. Bill Self in trouble, or would would they pull a Louisville and just go? Eh, don't care. That's our guy. Depends on what they have. I mean, it depends on what. what yeah. I mean, if he, if he's coach number twenty three. All you of know. this stuff is so hard to predict at this. I point. know, I know, I, because it's, it's again, a podcast. We're speculating. No, no doubt. But like, I mean, it's just it's so hard to start diving into the hypotheticals because we don't even have a clue what the NCAA is going to do about any of this. Yeah, like we're literally talking about FBI investigations right now, which have nothing to do with NCAA. The NCAA could be two years out from even even being able to get into this easily because I don't see them starting on anything until the FBI yeah, is done. Totally completely done. done. Completely and the done. FBI doesn't seem to be in a hurry. No. Nor should they be. It's not so, up to them to be in a hurry. Yeah. For goodness sakes. I mean, what's going to happen to schools like Louisville and Arizona right now? Like, none of this is going to affect them in the current year other than the players in question, right? Well, they're going to have a lot of the problems that North Carolina had when this academic scandal hit where it hangs, hangs over, over their head. Hurt recruiting. And, and people just hammer you in recruiting. Yeah, it's funny. I, I wish I remember what column I read two days ago that said said the, the Louisville situation can be a quick fix. And I thought, no, it can't. It, it can't. It, can't it, it, it could be a really long fix. That, it it's the exact opposite. Yeah, I, I, I was stunned when I read that. I thought, how in the world can it be a quick fix when we don't know when this will be hanging over their head at least for another year, at least for another year. Probably at least 1819 and probably into 1920 right. before they ever know really get happen. smacked. Man, that's crazy. All right, uh, you got a final take, Brewing? Um, you want, you, like, like, you, you want a final take. I, you, want, you want to talk up Creighton just because it feels no, like you should? No, I, I'm still mad about what I was talking about before, and that's the writers. And going back to this whole when the scandal broke and everyone talking about, oh, well, obviously we knew what was going on, but we can't report that because we don't have subpoena power. Well, yeah, subpoena power would obviously make it nice. You could take a more direct approach. But let's not act like the burden of proof to write an article about this stuff is nearly what the FBI needs to have to prosecute these these people. So yeah, burden of proof still on that's pretty hard. I mean, you skinny. You need. We've seen it before in 2017. You, need, you, you need can a, go on the record. You can go on the record with two anonymous sources pretty correct. much now and that, write that, something. That is correct. So you're telling me. 
you can't. You're friends with all these inner circles, all these coaches. You know everyone involved in all of these deals, and you can't get two people anonymously to verify right. something went down for you. Because here's the thing: a lot of these people that operate are going to be a lot more likely to talk to you, the guy that they've known supposedly for ten years and hang out with and go drinking and hang out in Vegas with, than they are the feds. So I'm, I'm like this whole thing about oh we just couldn't report anything because we didn't have subpoena power like the FBI. It's bogus. It's ridiculous, and I'm tired of hearing it. Do your job, or quit acting like you knew everything that right. was going on. No, that's fair. That part's fair. That part's fair. You feel better? Yeah, a little okay. bit. Good deal. All right. Uh, what do you got up on Bearcat Journal in addition to basketball? You got some football stuff going on. It's not going well. Yeah, got a lot of football stuff up. Um, it's it's okay. You got to do it. I I had to I had to to. To pick a predict a score last night, and I can I, can I do it for you? Sure, I go sixty one seventeen South Florida. I went forty nine. You're too kind. I went forty nine twenty four. Ooh, South Florida I, has let teams kind of hang around at times this year. I will say that Charlie is Charlie. Charlie is Charlie. When Luke Fickle was saying that, um, if they keep scoring it, we want to win. Did that only apply to recruiting? Or it's it is is. It's not been the past couple of weeks, Rick. Marshall was bad. No, UCF was bad. Well, yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch UCF. Well, I'll, I'll tell you all you need to know about UCF. Well, I just all I kept seeing was the, where I was. I kept seeing the score go up. They and had up and up, and then it stopped. And they, I went, "Why did it stop?" Oh, lightning came. Didn't they had the ball eight times and scored on seven of those. Seven touchdowns, right? And, and a field, field goal. goal. So that's eight for eight. Seven plus one is eight. Eight for eight is a bad ratio for defense. Not good. It's bad. That's that's like a good high school against a bad high school. It's, for goodness it, sakes, it's been a little rough. What else you got about Musketeer Report right now? Um, well, next week, yes, is big because we are doing our second live podcast right. at Dana Gardens. Not We're us, doing but, it, but but you, right, Dan, yes. me, couple special guests that are going to be announced. I'm not in the next allowed few in days. there. They got a picture of me on the wall. I think they're warming to you more though. Maybe From, a distance. From a distance. I, still, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't recommend like him walking into It's like crazy uncle they still don't want to come in. Yeah. Well, it's not like Xavier people are going to fight you. They're just going to intellectually uh, Beat you, you down, yeah. Beat yeah. you down. So, uh, yeah, but it was an awesome time in May when we did it. We had like over 80 people come out there. It was packed. Get there early because last time we had old dudes sitting on steps and things. So if you want a spot, make sure you're there early. And We're going to go five to like six-ish. Then we'll slam a couple drinks with you, and we'll all walk down to Musketeer Madness. Doors open at 7. Beautiful. I posted on his board, and nobody said no, anything. Well, hold on. Can we talk about that? Wildest thing. After all the... Like, we've been doing this podcast for over a year now. Yeah. Since the... I mean, before that, people had already said a thing or two about Chad occasionally. But since we started this podcast, it's been constant, like, people worried about his health, his career going forward because he was too much <laughs> of a UC homer. Like, we've had a lot They're of... They're very concerned about A lot of self-help. Xavier people are good people. People have been freaking out about Chad for a long time. Chad drops in on a in a thread... It was after I did the uh, podcast about the scandal, and he just said good stuff or something like that. Not one person said a word about Chad posting in our message board. Well, and you posted as Chad Brendel. Yeah. I, well, yeah. we're all on the same network now. But yeah, we're right, all but Maybe they thought it was a fake Chad Brendel. No, I, I had 14,000, 15,000 posts. Maybe maybe it was just because like they weren't paying attention because it was just such an innocuous, like, oh, good stuff. I just stuff. said uh, good stuff. Great great work, Rick. I know. So maybe like they just didn't even re- read who said it. Because like I couldn't believe I got no, one, no one freaked out about. I had like five upvotes. Wow! So they had to have looked. They looked. Wow. I'm so confused. Why did you guys not say anything? Someone tweet us. 
How are you guys not just losing your minds about Chad? We talked on about the board? this before. I'm like, dude, I like I don't want to start trouble, but I want to like acknowledge that that was a really good podcast with Rick Carter. So I'm going to post on your board. And he was like, dude, by morning, that's, that's going to be, be wild. wild. <laughs> <laughs> like this is going to make a great day of the message board because sometimes weird things happen and that makes for the best days on the message board. Nothing happened. I was no. totally maybe, maybe they're that. really warming to him. And I mean, what, I'm not may, likable. Maybe that. No, I know you're not. Trust me, I realize that. <laughs> maybe, maybe they realize he was he's alive, and that that mattered to them. Maybe <laughs> that's what mattered. They're like, he's been reading. Good. 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 Health he's tips still, are working. Yeah. He's still alive. That's that's good. Don't need to comment anymore on it. He's still alive. So there you go. <laughs> People are concerned about you. And by the way, you can uh, also on local12.com. You can catch my uh, Bengals podcast with Jed Demusi every Thursday and Friday, and my Angry Quarterbacks podcast with Tony Pike and Tom Gamble, talking high school, college, and NFL football each and every Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever we get it up. We had Tony Pike on the Bear I know you did. podcast last week. He's fun. He's I, fun. I, I really, really we, I enjoy doing the podcast with him quite a bit. He's, he's he is likable. He's adjusted to this. No, he's kind. Of, he's kind of a. No, I like him. I like his irreverence. I like his his. his he's a smart ass too. Like, I love he it. Fires back. You're a smart ass in a mean way, though. You're that's, mean. That's true. I am. No, you're a smart ass and you're insufferable. He's yes. just a smart ass, right? I don't mind yeah. smart. You don't mind smart asses, right? No, yeah, yeah. I like smart asses. <laughs> just not insufferable smart asses. All right, thanks for being with us. We'll be back in probably a couple weeks and then get stuff ramped up for the regular season. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Skinny Podcast, the College Basketball Edition. <laughs>